Awesome. Praise the Lord. Uh, before I get started on the message this morning, um, we have a few things we need to do. I spent last night uh, probably two hours uh, before I even wrote my message to um, write down names of everybody that I needed to thank. And um, it was very difficult. And because I would write down one name and I would say, man, you know what, this is important to put that name there. And then I put the next name and then I put the next name and the next name and and I was like, oh my goodness, I, how did I forget that name? And boy, that name should be at the top and that name should be at the top. And, and literally spent two hours, in fact, my first two pages of my notes are all those names. And um, finally at about 1.45, I just felt the Lord tell me, just thank me today. And so the title of my message is Thank You, Lord. And we will have so many times in the near future we will recognize all the names because so many deserve recognition, deserve honor uh, for everything that everybody has poured into this place. It's just been absolutely amazing for me to watch and humbling for me to watch so many that have uh, poured into the the building here. and um, But before I get into my message, and uh, like I said, I'm going to recognize all those people in due time, because how many know God wants us to honor um, all those people that poured their lives into this building? It's very important. The only thing I would put above it is honoring God first, and uh, that's what we're going to do today at the opening of this building. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, I'm going to get in the message this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. First Thessalonians 5.18. And boy, this is a tough one to live out. It says... 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances. I'm going to repeat that. That's the hard one. Give thanks in, now don't miss that word in, all circumstances. Why? It says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to read it all together. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, touch the word. Lord, put your anointing upon it. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Use me. Take me away. Hide me behind your cross for your glory. Do your work this morning in every heart, Lord. In your name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So this is a call to thanksgiving. And remember, the title of my message, you're fine, you're fine. (laughs) Title of my message is, Thank You, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Now, how many like Thanksgiving? In fact, uh, Thanksgiving season starts. Well, I've seen a lot of excitement there. <laughs> Thanksgiving season technically starts uh, November 1st. They call that the beginning of the Thanksgiving season. And I can honestly say my favorite holiday of all the holidays that we celebrate in the United States is Thanksgiving. And it's not for the reasons you think. Not because I like to eat Thanksgiving food. Okay. I see a lot of... <laughs> wow. Was somebody holding signs up there to get that reaction? Praise the Lord. But Thanksgiving is really hard to mess up. It really is hard to mess up. You get the family together... You make more food than you've had on the table all year long. You enjoy the food and you spend time with each other. Now what better time of the year is that? You're not worrying about buying gifts. You're not stressed out about money. Buying gifts. How many know that? You're just saying, Lord, we bless you. And one thing that I learned from Brother Lyndon... Uh, who I went to Israel with was um, Jewish people don't bless the food like we do. They bless God. And so I've been learning that since Israel, that when I pray over the food, I'm not blessing the food. I'm blessing the God that provided everything on my table. And boy, there's a big difference. And So this message is all about Thanksgiving because this is not just um, thanks would be a good thing for a Christian to do. It's a command. It's saying give thanks in all circumstances and it adds a really strong command there of why. I'm commanding you to give thanks in all circumstances because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we can't say, well, man, that's somebody else or that's a mature Christian or that's just somebody else that God is saying, be thankful. God is saying that this is the will of God. How many here are trying to find the will of God for your life? I found it for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. In fact, you begin to look through the Bible and you realize this was the normal behavior and the normal way believers lived in the Bible. We give you some Old Testament passages here. It says in Ezra 3.11, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people with a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord was laid that day. Well, that sounds like what we're doing today. Shouts of praise and shouts of thanksgiving and and all of the people were shouting because God laid the foundation of his house. This is his house. Not my house, it's not your house, it's his house and everything that's went into this is for him today. Hallelujah. Psalm 717 says, I will give thanks to the Lord 
Because of his righteousness, I will sing the praises of his name to the Lord Most High. Psalm 9-1, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 35, I will give thanks in the great assembly. How many know this is the great assembly? Among the throngs of people, I will praise you. I'm not embarrassed. I will praise you in front of all of the people. Psalm 69, I will praise God's name in song. I will glorify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 95, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all other gods. Hallelujah. Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, his love endures forever, his faithfulness continues through all generations. How many came in to the gates this morning with that intense purpose? I'm coming into his gates this morning because I want to give my God praise. Hallelujah. New Testament, Ephesians 5.18, Paul wrote this. Not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Colossians, just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in him, as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Do you see how this is the normal behavior for believers just so focused on thanking the Lord at all times, in all circumstances? How many know that it is a sin Not to do that. You say, well, man, I just choose not to, but I really like like God. I mean, like I'm a God person and I love God and I but you know it's a sin not to thank God in your life. In fact, Romans chapter one, verse eighteen, many of you know that Romans one is the most one of the most um, aggressive statements about God against unrighteousness and sin. How many know that? And we miss this sometimes. It says, for God, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men. And you're like, preach it, man. Preach it about those wicked sinners that are unrighteous and ungodly. And he says, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth about God. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that he has made. So they are without excuse. Now listen to this. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God and give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They claimed to be wise, but they became fools. Do you see that when we don't thank God, we become wise in our own hearts and we become fools? It's the beginning downgrade into a life of unrighteousness and ungodliness. How many know that's true? we got to really watch that in our life, not being thankful 
to God and everything. There are examples in the Bible of uh, people that were ungrateful and unthankful to God. How many remember the children of Israel in the wilderness? And God literally escorted them out of Egypt with so many miracles that nobody had ever seen that many miracles around a group of people. God had loved them. And don't worry, I'm not going to fall off. I know a lot of you see me creeping toward that edge there. But uh, many years of practice. Okay, now I'll fall off probably. <laughs> Beware when you stand. What? Lest you fall. Okay. But the children of Israel were in the wilderness, and how many know God took them by the hand, escorted them out, did many signs and wonders. No group had ever seen more miracles. God took them in the wilderness and began to feed them day by day. They never ran out of food. In fact, he gave them enough uh, on the weekend so they wouldn't have to uh, work on the Sabbath day. They could rest to give them two times the amount. And every day he fed them morning, afternoon, evening. They had plenty to eat, and guess what they did? The Bible says they complained and they murmured and they cried out against God. And poor Moses just, uh, he continually went to God and said, God, they won't quit murmuring. They won't quit complaining. They will not be thankful to you. They're an ungrateful generation. And how many know it was a sin and God was not pleased? And you say, well, man, if God blessed us that much, I mean, we would never be that way. Just I want him to do that. I want to see a miracle and I want to see God's blessing and I would never do that. And and then there were ten lepers that seen Jesus face to face and 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 they were walking in Luke 17 verse 11. And their whole life they had screamed unclean and their skin was rotting and their flesh was you know, just open sores and they couldn't be in society and they couldn't enjoy the fellowship of their family. They had to live in isolation. They had to cry unclean, unclean. And Jesus looks at them and makes them whole, all 10 of them, and their skin begins to go back to normal. Their lifelong disease is gone. They're finally healed. They're finally blessed. They've finally seen a miracle of miracles. The incurable leper that nobody could ever heal Ten of them got healed at one time, and nobody had ever seen that in Israel. And only one came back, and he was a Samaritan. Oh boy, you don't, you don't have the disgust when I say that. Samaritan, we Jews, we're super spiritual, and these Samaritans are low lives, and, but the Samaritan was the one that came back, and, 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 and the Jew, Jewish people didn't. You know why? Because they were enjoying the blessing of God, but could care less about the blesser. You know, a lot of times we enjoy the blessing of God, and on a day like this, we never say, Blessed be God. Dear Lord, don't ever let us be that. One time I was in a prayer meeting and, and, um, I just got out of the prayer room and I was walking to the prayer meeting and God said, Hey, look up over in Henderson. You guys have heard this story before I know. And I said, look up. And, and I said, well, what do you want me to see, Lord? And he showed me all the beautiful duck work. How many remember when that duck work went in? We had no heating. We had no air. 
Uh, I just started as pastor there, and we had no heating and air for a whole winter and a whole summer. And and when that ductwork went in there, it was so beautiful to me, and it still is. And and I've seen miracle after miracle. Uh, you know, you haven't seen a miracle until you don't have heating and air, you don't have any money to cover it at $20,000, and you ask the church to fast and pray because we need heating and air. And we fast and pray and for six months, and lightning hits the unit. Normally the owners would not cover it, but because lightning hit it, then it became an act of God. Some things I don't have to explain. Church, how, I don't want to say dumb, but how dumb are we? When we fast and pray, have no heat, have no electricity, and God uses an act of God and an insurance policy to get us a new heating and air unit. And miracle after miracle after miracle, we didn't have a dime. And God said, hey, look up. I said, what, God? You ever been frustrated? What? God says, I did all that. That's my work. I put that ductwork in there. I painted those walls. I built those things. I did all of that. Then I sobered up a little when I said, I know you did. And he said, Don't ever take credit for something that I do. Don't ever take credit for something that I do. And I said, Lord, I understand. I won't. I'll I'll try so hard not to ever take credit. And can I tell you something? As we, we've been working really hard since really January and remodeling since May and, and one after another. Doors shut. The national district said, man, here is how you plant a church. Here is how opening day is going to look. Here's how everything is going to fall into place. And how many know that there has been every door shut by God? And I said, hey, I can't do that, Lord. That would be a good plan for us as men and women of God to have a good showing. Lord, we want to do this. I want to do this, Lord. This would be an awesome thing for man to have a good showing. Lord, I want to do this. No, I'm I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you do this. I'm going to let you do this and... And I just began to cry out to God, God, what's happening? Why? Why are you not allowing things to go as planned? And God said very clearly, because only I am going to get glory when you open that building. Only I'm going to get glory. No man is going to get glory. No man's wisdom, man's intelligence, man's ingenuity We're not going to stand here and open this house and forget God. He's going to be at the center of this. Can I tell you something? The roof has been repaired 100%. Paid for. 
heating and air paid for, electrical paid for, plumbing paid for, carpet paid for, chairs paid for. All of the things you see in this building, God did. And a year ago today, I didn't have a dime. The church account had $100 in it. Church, if we can't recognize... Give him glory. Hallelujah. Give him glory. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the person who wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. How many have studied the Apostle Paul? Paul wrote this to a church in Thessalonica, and that's an area that now is Greece. It's the city of Thessaloniki now. And Paul traveled to Greece, and before he got there, Paul had an interesting road, and after Paul left there, he had an interesting road. And I want you to study what he wrote and how he lived his life, because you need your understanding of the gospel to be challenged this morning. Not just challenged, but changed, because the gospel is not necessarily preached the way you and I think it is preached. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Paul had, probably as a human being, he probably had expectations for what God called him to do. But God very early on had begun to tell Paul what to expect. And so Paul, was he was persecuting the early church after Christ was resurrected. He was the number one persecutor of the church. How many know he was a Pharisee? He was persecuting the church. He had orders. He was speaking murderous threats, the Bible says, taking people to prison. He was the number one threat to the Christian church when they started. And Paul had a vision of Christ on the road to Damascus, became blind, had to go to a certain gentleman's house, have hands laid on him to be healed, and the scales dropped off of his eyes, and Jesus said this to him, Paul, I want you to understand the things that you're going to have to suffer for my name. Paul knew that the gospel was going to bring suffering to him. In fact, immediately after he became a believer, how many know that if you begin to read those next several chapters, uh, there were several... Um, assassination attempts by the Jews against Paul. How many know that? Immediately. Paul spends about 14 years preparing for his call, doing the work of the ministry. And I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about frustration. How many have ever had disappointment or frustration? And disappointment and frustration, I heard a very wise man say is because you have expectations that didn't happen. How many have ever frustration and disappointment has got a foothold in your life? And how many think Paul 
is about to branch out on his first missionary journey. How many think he had a picture in his mind of what it was going to look like? How many think if you were being launched into a mission uh, for Christ and you're going to go preach the gospel, how many think you would think in your head, man, I see Billy Graham crusades. I see myself going into foreign lands. God's got his hand on my life. I see everything falling into place. I see everything happening just like God called it. God's going to part the Red Sea. Everything's going to be miraculous. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to stand on the hill. I'm going to glow. The light of God is going to be upon me. And and God's going to do his work through me. And that is not what happened with the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul went to Cyprus first with Barnabas and John Mark. They left Cyprus, they went down to uh, Paphos, they went up to Pamphylia, and guess what happened? There was an argument. How many know this? John Mark, man, the guy that he was mentoring, uh, decided, I do not want to be with this man, Paul, anymore. It took Paul years to get over the abandonment of his close friend and one that he mentored named John Mark. How many know that that happened right immediately into his journey? They get into the first little area where the Galatian church would grow and they go to a place called Antioch Pisidian. And how many know by the time Paul gets done preaching, what do you think happens to Paul? A mob gets together and runs him out of town. He says, oh great, man, this, this was bad, but the next town is going to be better. The next town he went to, he went to Iconium. He went to Lystra. He went to Derby. One of the towns, they, he healed a person who was lame. God did signs and wonders. He healed the guy and they said, oh look, Paul is a God. And they began to try to worship him. And Paul says, no, do not worship us. We're not gods. Begin to preach the gospel. How many know that they stoned him and they assumed him to be dead? Until the other disciples gathered around him and it looks like it was a miracle and Paul runs back into town and preaches the gospel. How many know that everywhere Paul went on that first missionary journey was nothing but things he had to suffer for the gospel? And if you would look at it through human eyes, you would say, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm upset. Why did God call me? And everything seems to be wrong. Everything seems to not be going right. At every turn, there's a battle. Of every turn, there's a struggle. How many know that Paul then goes on his second missionary journey? He goes up to this place called Thessalonica. And when he goes to Thessalonica, guess what happens to this young Billy Graham maybe in his mind? There's a giant riot in town and he's chased out of town. They have to hide him and run him out of town. He goes to another city, goes to Philippi. He's put in stocks in a prison in a dungeon. How many know this? He's beaten with rods. He takes many, many beatings. He, they chase him all the way down the coastline and you say, well, that's how the religion, that's how the worldly people are. No, they were religious people. Chased him all the way down the coastline. Continual prisons, floggings, beatings. And then he writes a letter back to where he was chased out of town. And he says, what we read today. Give thanks in all circumstances. 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, give thanks in all circumstances does not say give thanks for all circumstances. There's a big difference. He didn't say give thanks for all circumstances. He didn't say, God, I thank you for my car engine going out. God, I'm thankful that my transmission is out. God, I'm thankful for the fact that my house burnt down. God, I'm thankful for that person close to me who passed away. No, he did not say that. He said, give thanks in. In all circumstances. And you say, well, what is he talking about? Why is he saying this? Because if you are a Christian, we don't float to heaven on a cloud. We have to have faith in Christ right in the middle of the storm, right in the middle of the struggle, right in the middle of the fight, because this is how God ordained the gospel to be preached. They're going to look at our life and we're going to go through the same battles, the same struggles, and they're going to heap a few more on us. And when we try to plant our flag in the middle of Evansville, Indiana, guess what's happening? The enemy is going to fight you at every turn. And Paul says, give thanks, rejoice. I say rejoice because you're in my will. How many know when you put your finger over the target and you're on the target and you're moving forward, how many know the enemy is going to work in every way to try to stop you, but he can't stop you if you are thanking God in every circumstance? He can't stop you. And I can tell you, I was uh, sitting with a group of pastors last week and you say well man why is it so important to thank God in every circumstance and be thankful and full of joy and rejoice of everything that's happening because that is how the lost are one that's how they're one and I was sitting in this um in fact you know that Romans says that um all things Know this, we know, we know this, that all things happen, um, for the good, for those who trust God and are called according to His purpose. So all things that happen in our life, good, bad, or ugly, God is using that for His good to those that are called according to His purpose in Christ Jesus. So we know this. Paul said he assumed we knew this. That every good, bad, and ugly thing, you say, well, how does that happen? And I was talking to these pastors, and one of the pastors in that group who I really love and love his spirit, and and uh, pastors for many years, one of the largest churches in Evansville. And uh, we were talking about this very subject, and he said, Chad, he said, you know that I have a pastor in India that I speak with um, regularly on a video call. And it reminded him of this story. And he said he went to a village in India. And that village had never seen a movie, had never seen a video. And he came into this village and showed them the Jesus film. And they all watched a movie for the first time. They were hearing about Christ, many for the first time. And 
And man, you think, oh man, these visions of this disillusion we have with the gospel. That if I go through something hard, it wasn't God's will. I mean, that's an American ideal. And as he's leaving town, a giant mob, too big to even fight, beat him badly. Destroyed all of his video equipment. Beat him up so badly with a metal pipe that he still is disfigured in his face. And they had talked to him when he was recovering and, and they were really worried about him and praying for him and, and saying, God, please help him. And, and as they begin to speak with him, he says, when I'm well, I'm going back to the village. And oh boy, this guy has got it. He understands what Paul's talking about. And he said, I'm going back. And they said, why? He said, because I got more to tell him about Jesus. He gets it. And so he goes back to the village and they're shocked. They said, why are you back? We beat you almost to death. Your face is disfigured. Don't you understand? We don't like you. And it says the moment that he took the beating, he never fought back. And he said, all fear left me. So there was no fear left in me anymore. He gets it. He went back and he said, do you know today that church that he started there has 20,000 people and 400 pastors are under him. And he said the only reason they received him is because he took a proper beating. So can I ask you, church, how good are we at taking a beating? And you say, well, man, that's not biblical. That's just not... That don't sound right, you know, why? Well, listen to Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you. Blessed, that means happy. Happy, I'm so happy about this, what's what's getting ready to be said. When people insult you, they persecute you. This is Jesus talking. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, there it is again. Be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How many know Jesus said that? Paul was following the same path that Jesus followed. Same path that every prophet that ever came from the Lord had taken. In fact, it says in Hebrews, listen to this. This is the faith chapter. It says, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith they conquered kingdoms, they enforced justice, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the power of fire, they escaped the edge of the sword, they were made strong out of weakness, they were mighty in war, they put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might be rise again to a better life others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment they were stoned they were sawn in two they were killed with the sword they were uh, went about with skins of sheep and goats destitute afflicted mistreated of whom the world is not worthy wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth 
What kind of gospel do you believe in? Church, when we begin to see opposition, we need to understand that this is where God has called us. When we are called to plant a flag in the middle of a city that is hurting and is dying and people need help, people need to be reached, God is saying, get out of your comfort zone and let all fear go out of your body and begin to stand up and say, I am not afraid of the attacks of the enemy. Can I tell you the enemy has attacked the last several months in every way that he possibly can attack? I've been attacked physically. I've been attacked emotionally. I've been attacked spiritually. And so have some of you. How many have noticed the enemy? enemy is at work. The enemy is attacking. And I say, praise God. Praise God. We're on the target church. This is the gospel that we proclaim. This is the gospel that we preach. This is what it takes to reach the lost. This is what it takes to live for Christ. You need to, you need to look at the example of Christ who humbled himself as a servant and died on the cross. The Bible says, equip yourself with the same mind. Don't be surprised when the enemy attacks. Rejoice. Rejoice. You know, two days ago, I don't know what happened to me. Perfectly fine. Enemy attacks my body and I'm vomiting. I'm sweating. I'm dry heaving. I've got stomach cramp. I've never had that happen. Let me know that's the enemy. This morning, of all mornings, for something to happen, and Eddie's trying not to tell you this morning, but of all mornings for something to happen, how many know I'm studying for this message, and at 1.45, I get a phone call, and there are police officers all around our Henderson church at 2 a.m. in the morning. They call me up and say, hey, we're all surrounding the building. Somebody kicked in one of your doors, ripping TVs off the wall, one, and then broke through the other side of the building and we had to get keys there so we could try to find the person that was in the building and somehow he escaped out a door. So you're saying, oh, but I'm saying rejoice. Why? Because all things work to the good for those who are called according to his purpose. See, Paul went to Athens and he gave a beautiful speech. In fact, how many of you know that speech that Paul gave to the Athens, um, to the Athens, the scholars and the philosophers was incredible. The unknown God speech. And Paul learned something about that. He learned that his human wisdom did very little to win the lost. And had things happened the way Paul wanted it to happen, He would have reached nobody with the gospel. Very few people. How many know the method that God used to preach the gospel through a brilliant man named Paul? And it was through his many beatings, his floggings, his prison stays, the many things that he suffered and rejoiced. When he says rejoice, I say rejoice. Listen to what he's saying because Paul, those letters were probably written in a Roman prison, in his first Roman prison or his second. And can I tell you something? Paul was a 67, 68-year-old man, and he was put in a Roman prison. In fact, it's called the uh, Mamertine Prison. How many have ever heard of the Mamertine Prison? You can go there today and still see it. That prison is so old 
It outdates even the city of Rome's founding. And prison is a very um, nice term to use for this. Because really it is a um, solitary confinement. It is a dungeon in the ground that sits on top of the sewer system of the palace. How many know that? Paul was put in a sewer. There were many men that died in there because of the smell of the sewer from the whole city. And he's in there and they said that the dung would rise up into his cell. And he was the only one in there alone. And he's writing letters to us saying, rejoice. I say rejoice. Serve, he's saying praise God, praise Him in all circumstances. Paul was excited. Do you know why? Because he was reaching so many in the palace with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wrote prison letters in there. And church, we've got a tall task. We've got big shoes to fill. We've got work that God has called us to do and we can't stop every time the enemy tries to attack us. We can't stop every time somebody insults us. We can't stop every time we get the mildest persecution and they don't like me. We can't stop every time somebody comes against us. We can't stop every time there's a false accusation. We got too much work to do, church. That's how the gospel is preached. That's how God takes our circumstances and he ordained our circumstances. If we'll be thankful in everything, God has taken our circumstances to reach the lost. And God did put us here and it wasn't an accident. Church, we have work to do. We got to shake off that American Christianity. You say, oh, I love it though. I like it. Man, I just want goosebumps on Sunday morning and I want to... You know, I just want to be liked and I just want people to be nice to me. And I just want, no church, we got to fight through a lot of things to love people. You know, we got to fight through a lot of things that when they walk in the doors, see Paul changed a lot. Paul was one of those groups of people, the Pharisees that Jesus said is the blind leading the blind. You say, well, why were they blind? They fasted, they prayed, they were legalistic, they kept the law, they did all those things. But Paul couldn't even see Jesus, the one that all of the Pharisees were supposedly waiting for. They couldn't see him. They were blind, blind leading the blind, blind leading the blind. And Paul, the strong personality, strong man with papers from Jerusalem, Something changed in him and he recognized. He said, now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these three is love. Now how did that come from that man that was a Pharisee? God, Jesus Christ changed him so much, and I think about the faith. Man, I think about how faith drives us. How many know that the ability to thank God in every circumstance, that is faith to the max. To get up every day and say, man, it doesn't matter that I don't have any money. 
It doesn't matter that nobody likes me. It doesn't matter that things aren't going well today. It doesn't matter that the world's politics is the way it is. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Amen. It doesn't matter what's going around us. You say, well, at least Paul didn't have a corrupt government. At least Jesus wasn't around a corrupt government. How many know the Roman government was worse? They haven't burned down the city of Washington yet and rounded up all the Christian leaders and executed them. They don't have like Paul was in a dungeon, an isolated confinement. Peter was there a few months earlier. They were sitting in a sewer and they were rejoicing. They were thanking God. Sometimes they were beaten almost to death and they were celebrating. They were rejoicing. They were saying, God, thank you for letting me do this, Lord. And we got to somehow get a hold of it, church. We got to somehow to get a hold of that joy. We got to somehow get a hold of that rejoice. I say rejoice while you're sitting in a sewer. You say, well, I'll do it when a better day comes. Man, I, I expect God to fully let everything fall in place. It's all, how many know, how many have been around long enough to know? We got to rejoice. We got to thank God in every circumstance. We got to recognize God in the good. We got to recognize God in the bad. We've got to live this life now because when it's over, we'll never have another chance to do it for Him. But faith pushed through every circumstance and was always full of joy. And I see so many here. Mike, I'm looking at you when I say that. Looking at so many here. I know all the stories of everybody here. So many. And how many know we've done that? And sometimes we have to be reminded. Let's rejoice through every circumstance. In every circumstance, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to love you. And the world, we're going to shine like a light on a dark night. You say, well, man, I don't like this, Chad. I don't like that. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You're not doing that. I don't have time for that. I'm too busy thanking God for all the things that he did. Man, that ceiling. Everybody look up. What do you see? I wasn't supposed to do that, you know. Look down. What do you see? Hmm. God, thank you. Man, what do we do to deserve this, church? Man, look to your left and look to your right and look down at your body and look at everything that God has blessed us with and Man, I just want to live every day in every circumstance and say, thank you, Lord. I want to go to my last day thanking God. We don't have time to complain, church. We don't have time to grumble. We don't have time to stop. We've only got a few more days to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the people. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for the good. Thank you for the bad. And then Paul had something called hope. Faith, hope, and love. And what was hope? Hope was that there's going to come a day very soon. In fact, Paul, when you see him in Philippians and First and Second Timothy, when he's about to die and he's heading toward that Mamertime prison. In fact, how many know that's the worst prison in the world? No prison was close to that. The one person who was unfortunate enough to be in solitary in that sewer, it was the worst. 
It was the uh, house of darkness, they called it. There was no worse prison. The second worst prison in the world at that time was uh, the Isle of Patmos, where uh, John was. Peter, Paul, and John were in the two worst prisons in the world. But Paul had something called, called hope. In fact, he wrote about it. This hope we have is an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, and it enters within the veil. And he says in Colossians, because of the hope that's laid up for you in heaven, on which you previously heard the word of truth, the gospel. First Thessalonians, but since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet, which is the hope of salvation. How many know that there's going to be a day really soon that you and I, if we have that hope, we're going to wake up in the presence of the Lord. And church, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. There's nothing in this world that upsets me because I know in a very short time, I'm going to wake up in the presence of Him. There'll be no hospital. There'll be no funeral home. There'll be no cemeteries. There'll be no bad politics. There'll be no bad attitudes. There'll be no, get this church, no sinful bodies anymore. How many know it hurts me to hurt my Lord? You say, but you're a Christian, you're perfect. No, I'm still in a sinful body. If he didn't justify me, which means I'm saved by his grace and only his grace, nothing else, then I would not be able to see that place, but I'm justified by him. And how many know I'm being sanctified by him, which means I continually, even at my best, mess up. But don't forget too, wow, it's never happened. Should I answer the phone? Okay. CVS Pharmacy has my uh, <laughs> my prescription ready. So that's another thing we won't have is no more CVSs. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but church, just a little while. If you have hope, you understand that there's no regret in this world. You don't say, man, I had a bad childhood. I had a bad experience. I had a bad relationship because church, we're living in the hope. But it's almost over that we're almost there. The journey is almost over. And in church, it's a, to, to die is gain. It's wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. It's wonderful to be reunited with how many people? I had a dream when I came to Wellspring that, man, I'm going to walk in one day. Eddie, we're going to walk in one day and we're going to take that little flock with us. And I just seen that before I came to Wellspring. We're going to go in and, and, and Pastor Rod's going to be very excited. How many think he's going to be excited? Amen. He's going to be full of energy and we're going to have a giant hug and he's going to say thanks. I seen that before I came over. How many of you know you're a part of that with me? Amen. We got to get as many as we can with us to say, hey, here, here, we took care of them. How many know that we're going to see Jesus? How many know that we have lost or we have loved ones that we have not seen for so long? We're going to be reunited. Some of us have children we've never met. How many know that? How many know we have relatives that we haven't seen? There's going to be a lot of surprises there. There's going to be a lot of people that we didn't know we touched. There's going to be a lot of people that say, thank you for everything you went through to reach me. In church, it's going to be so worth it because we have hope. And I'm going to leave you with this last one. Worship team, 
And I know I went long, but we just have one service, so it's okay. Paul said, the greatest of these is love. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging symbol. How many think our churches are sometimes full of people that don't have love? Noisy gongs, clanging cymbals. You say, yeah, those are some bad Christians. How many know we've all been that? All right, we don't want to be that. If I have prophetic powers and understand the mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith that I can remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is patient. We don't want to gloss over that. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bear, love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, they will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. I became a man, I gave up my childish ways from now For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see Him face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Church, what are we aspiring to be? Let's uh, let's just, if we could, let's just come up, everybody as a family. Let's just worship and thank God today. You say, man, I gotta get out of my seat. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let's come up and let's just worship God. If there's anything that doesn't line up with love, let's just lay it down. Let's walk in love. Let's just walk right through all this. And as a family, let's come together and then we're gonna dismiss. We'll sing a song together. Thank God, love God. And you can stay in your seats if you want. I'm not gonna get mad. Let's just come together as a family. Hallelujah. And if you need prayer, we're here to pray for you. Just linger around the altar and we want to pray with you. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. here today and not Henderson. And, uh, at 4 o'clock in the morning as Dave Brandon and I are sitting at the end of the parking lot in Henderson seeing 20 police cars surrounding our church in Henderson. We both look at each other and we're grateful that we have a place like this. Right? We didn't know why we weren't meeting in Henderson. We just knew God didn't want us to this week. But we couldn't receive back our building until about 7 o'clock this morning. I had to go in and secure the, build, the door just so we can do it. We don't even have a, uh, an emergency
don't see exit on the side door anymore. Right? It's stuff that can be fixed. It's all stuff that's good, but we would not have been able to have church there this week. Thank God didn't know that. It didn't surprise him, right? It surprised us at 145 is chance getting a phone call, but it uh didn't surprise God. And it uh the church ain't that bad off, don't don't worry too much, but it uh it was more of a fear thing than anything else, but I just want you to remember that. Even something as small as meeting only here on this day, the Lord had a plan for that. He was ready, he knew my mind, but he knew, so I just want to make sure you remember these things. Even small things, God's in charge of. Praise the Lord. Thank you, brother. Appreciate your faithfulness that he's been up all night. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, I'm just going to close in a word of prayer, but I want to remind you, um, that song I've had in my heart for two weeks. And uh, God just led them to close of that song. But how many know that is uh, Job? That that song that song is based on the book of Job. And can I tell you something? When we're attacked, we're attacked as a family. I'm being attacked. You're being attacked. Sometimes uh, we're being deceived into attacking each other. How many know that? That's how the enemy operates. And uh, let's call it for what it is and let's just get past it. And let's just say, you know what? Um, we're going to fight against the enemy. That's validation. That's like rejoice because we're on the enemy's target. You know, one demon said one time, it still makes me mad. But he said, hey, Paul I know. Jesus I know. But he said, who are you? I hope he knows who we are. That's validation. Hallelujah. We're not afraid of the enemy. Fear needs to leave the church because we'll march through anything hell brings to reach people. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm going to close with this. Uh, Job said uh, everything went wrong. None of us will ever probably suffer like Job did. Lost his health, lost his family, lost his wealth, lost everything. And even his closest person to him, his wife, said, well, won't you just curse God? Why don't you just curse him? And Job said these words, do we only praise him when we're blessed? Do we only bless him when he gives us good things or do we also bless him when he doesn't? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job just decided, I'm going to praise God no matter what happens. And that's why God, the Bible says that everything that Job feared had came upon him. And after Job had suffered those things, how many know the Bible, there there was no fear left in Job. He faced everything, trusting Christ. And for the rest of his life, all those fears were gone. We can trust him. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, this is your building. Lord, you did it all. Lord God, it's your handiwork. It's your blessing. And Lord, we won't enjoy the blessing without blessing the blesser, Lord God. Lord, we're so thankful for you. We worship you. We love you, Lord God. It's all about you, Lord. And um, we're thankful, Lord God, to be yours, Lord God. I pray that you bless this family. Bless your people, Lord God. Put your spirit upon them, Lord. Strengthen them. 
Father, in your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.